Our scripture reading today is Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Everyone made it. Uh, it's one of those mornings. Um, a lot of stuff going on. So um, Alan mentioned at the start, if you came in and you missed it, um, we're having a bit of work being done. So there's like things missing from the wall and a weird smell and our screen's not working and all that stuff. So bear with us uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks as we get our electricity kind of redone and we're going to get new lights and things. So um, it would, be, it would be better in the end, but we'll get there. Great. Um, we are technically finishing up our family trait series uh, this morning. I say technically because I've asked Alan to do almost like a family traits B-sides next week, where we'll just kind of go a little bit deeper into what we're talking about this morning, uh, which is mission, okay? So uh, we do this series every single autumn called Family Traits, just a way to remind ourselves what the Church of Jesus is. Uh, what does it mean to be part of the local church? And specifically, what does that look like for us in our, in our time and place in Belfast in the year 2022? So um, let me pray for us one more time, and we'll get into Ephesians 5. And Father, we thank you for your love. Uh, we thank you for loving us. Um, we thank you for your, your grace. We thank you for being rich in mercy. Um, uh, Lord, the success of, of, uh, of your kingdom doesn't lie on... Uh, 
people getting here on time and electricity and weird smells and things not working. Um, the success of your, your kingdom is, is solely on, on you, on your faithfulness, um, on your power. Um, so be, be powerfully at work this morning, Lord. Um, build your people up. Give us a good vision of what it looks like to be uh, your people, your family. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, one more time, um, our vision statement. Um, I was going to say it's on the screen, but it's not on the screen. The screen, the screen's going to get me today. I spent like, uh, I'll get to it, never mind. Um, Village Belfast desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, we love each other, and we love our city of Belfast as we join God in the renewal of all things. So that's just a summary, remember, of what the Bible tells us the church is and what the church should be doing. So who are we? We're a gospel-shaped community. And we, the gospel is what makes this community this community, right? That good news of Jesus coming and, and living and dying and rising from the dead on our behalf. Okay, that's Ephesians 2. His, by his blood, we are brought near to God. We were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. By nature, children of wrath. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So it's that amazing news that shapes this family, shapes this, this people into God's new community. Um, it's a glorious reality, isn't it? It's a glorious identity that we have freely been given. Um, that's who we are. What should we be doing? What's well, those three kind of spheres that we're talking about? Loving Jesus, loving each other, loving our city. Um, loving Jesus, we looked at that in week one, okay? Loving him, knowing him, uh, being transformed by him, this, this spiritual formation, growing up into our, our head, Jesus, looking and living more like him every single day. That's, we looked at that in Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. Because of the gospel, transformation should be happening in you. You should be walking in a new way, and you should be living in a new way, and this should happen in community, in a way, that's the, the first purpose of, the, of, the, of this new community, right? Is to build one another up in love. And then last week, we saw the, the tangible result of all of this spiritual renewal. It results in a transformed community of love. Okay, and uh, in verses 17 to 32, Paul says, this is what life in this new community of love looks like. Um, it's a changed community, right? It, they, they walk and they live differently than they did before. They're no longer walking as the Gentile pagans that they used to be, darkened in their understanding, cold, callous hearts. No, that God has replaced that heart of stone with a heart of flesh, and they're now able to walk according to his ways. So this is a transformed community of love. It's a community of grace. It's a forgiving community. They've transformed work and ethics. They have transformation in the way they use their tongues. It's a spirit-filled, spirit-sealed community. It's a transforming community. They're putting off the old self, being renewed in the spirit of their minds, putting on the new self. They're bearing the fruit of the spirit, okay? Living lives that are uh, looking more and more and like the likeness of God's righteousness and holiness, okay? So it's this, this gospel-shaped community, people who are loving Jesus, who are loving each other, and as we'll see today, they are loving those around them, okay? And I made a good slide that I want you to see this, like, loving Jesus, loving each other, loving our city. It's like this river flowing in the right, in this certain direction, right? And I made this, like, river. It's really good. Um, just picture it. I'll send it to you later. Um, it's this river that's flowing in this, in this, in this direction, right? They're, they're kind of building on one another, um, 
In some way, loving and knowing Jesus is the ultimate goal, right? That was Paul's, like, that's Paul's goal in Ephesians, or in Philippians 3. I count everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth uh, uh, of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. So Paul's goal, his end goal was to gain Christ, right? Was to know and be found in him. Uh, But that's not where we stop, right? Uh, Loving and knowing Jesus, it leads somewhere, right? it, it, It results in something, and it results in love for those around you, right? Particularly first, love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, this community of love, uh, but even that, that's not where we stop. That, that, that love for Jesus and then that love for one another, it, it goes somewhere, right? It does something. Um, in the Old Testament, there's this short uh, minor prophet called Habakkuk. Um, and for the first two uh, chapters in this little book, it's basically a back and forth between God and this prophet Habakkuk. And, and in chapter 2, verse 14, God gives this like vision of what he wants to do in the world Uh, And it says, uh, for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Um, The earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So in the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord is his special presence with his people. Um, And so this is what God is working towards. His presence, his glory filling the whole earth. Um, It's this hope that one day, his light will penetrate every area of darkness in, in the world and will reach all the nations. Okay, so if you have that in mind, you're back in Ephesians and, and Paul's like, this is what's happening here. This is what's happening right here. This gospel-shaped community of people who are being built together for God's dwelling place by the Spirit. It's this transformed community of love where, where God's presence dwells, loving Jesus, loving each other. That, that goes somewhere. That, that does something, Right? The goal is not just to to love Jesus, to know Jesus, to love each other within these walls, right? To just enjoy this new transformed community of love within our borders. No, it's an an outward-facing community. It's it's a community on a mission. Um, And that's what we'll pull out of the first part of chapter 5 today. So um, let's read chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So be imitators of God, okay? Be like him, impersonate him, follow his example, walk in love. So again, Paul's repeating that, what he's reiterating, chapter chapter 4, verse 1, and chapter chapter 4, verse 17, okay? There's a new way of walking, in this, new, in this new community. Walk in love. Imitate God. Um, look at how we ended chapter 4. Um, he says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Um, that's how he ended chapter 4. This is one of those situations where like, the chapters kind of get in the way. So don't think chapter 5, okay, a whole new subject. No, it's, he's still writing. It's all, it's all in kind of one flow. Chapter 4 ends with, be this gospel-shaped people. And then the, the next very verse is, therefore, be like God. Be, be imitators of him. As beloved children, walk in love, just as Christ loved us. As gospel-shaped people. Um, I want you to see, though, those first two verses of chapter 5, they're really deep. Uh, they're, they're really kind of multi-layered. And we really need to grasp 
uh, the fullness of what Paul is saying here and not just breeze by. Because right here, Paul's giving us this, this full sense of what it means to be gospel-shaped people. He says, be imitators of God. He says, walk in love, just like Jesus, just, just as he loved us and gave himself up for us. Walk in that way. Okay, so there's this change. There's this, this transformation, this, this kind of external, visible, new way of walking, this new manner of life, becoming like Jesus, walking like Jesus, because of what he's done for us, right? Because he loved us, because he gave himself up for us. That, that kind of shapes and informs the way we are now to walk, imitating God. But what does he say in the middle there? How, does, how are we to do that? As beloved children. So this new way of walking, he says you're not, you're not doing it as a way to earn God's favor, as, as kind of servants in his household, right? No, this, this way of life is not going to make God love you any more than he loves you right now. He says do this as children, as beloved children, as those dwelling in his household, as those who belong there. Walk in this way as beloved children because that's who you are. Okay, this isn't aspirational. Uh, beloved children, that's not what you're becoming. Okay, that's, that's not where, where we're kind of hoping to be someday. Paul says, that's who you are in Christ. This is your identity, beloved sons and daughters. You see the, the two meanings behind what it means to be gospel-shaped, kind of gospel-informed people. There's the external, okay, this new way of walking, this new way of living, this Jesus kind of walk, but then there's that deeper internal reasoning, that, 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 that reason for walking in this manner. Because you're now beloved children. Because this is who you are. Because of everything Paul laid out in chapter 2. Okay, that through Jesus, you're no longer strangers and, and aliens and hopeless orphans. No, you are fellow saints and you are members of the household of God. You're beloved children and nothing can change that. So he says, be imitators of your new father. Walk in love, just like Jesus, not as a way to gain anything from him, because in Jesus you've been given everything freely. Walk in this new way as beloved children, as those who have already been accepted freely, as those who have everything in Christ, as those who have been sealed by the Spirit, marked as God's own possession. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that so necessary to, to, to have a grasp of that deeper meaning? This is a life in response to what Jesus has done. It's this life of this, this new identity as God's beloved children. And then in verse 3, Paul kind of, he, he slides back into describing this new way of life, this transformed community of love. In verse 3, he says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you, as is proper among the saints. So he's He's kind of saying what he said already, right? He's this, you see how the, uh, that first bit, it mirrors uh, verses 19 and 20. Okay, he, he, so he's, again, he's writing up, he's writing to a church made mostly of Gentile converts, okay? They were quite literally pagans outside of God's, con God's covenant uh, community, but because of the gospel, they have been brought into the community of a new identity. And Paul says, because of that, you're not meant to live like you used to live, Okay, with that darkened understanding, with those hard, callous hearts, 
He said in the previous chapter, giving yourselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's not the way you learned Christ. And he's saying the same thing here in chapter 5. Sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness must not be named among you. That belongs to your former way of life, that former manner of life. Throw that off. Verse 4, let there be no foolish or filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So that mirrors chapter 4, verse 29, right? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is as good for building up, as fits the occasion with wisdom, that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay? So do you have wisdom in your speech? Do you have wisdom in the way that you're, you're speaking to and about one another? Even in your humor, he points out particularly, right? They, like joke a lot. Like, laugh a lot, but, but may it be a kingdom kind of humor. May it be a different kind of humor that you had before. We should imitate God even in our humor. And he says, instead, let there be thanksgiving. Okay, so he points out the old way, and then he gives the new way. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. It's almost like thanksgiving is the antidote to all of the selfishness that he just uh, laid out there. Um, it, it's the antidote to crude joking and foolish talk and covetousness. It's the antidote to, to, to indulging in your, in your selfish sexual desires. Have thanksgiving instead. Okay, concentrate on being thankful for what God has given you. Be co- concentrate on being thankful for what he's done for you. What's he saying there? Remember the gospel. Okay, remember the gospel, be thankful for that instead of living like that. And then in verse 5 and 6, um, he, he does something that he hasn't done yet, and he gives this warning. Um, he says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So he drops a pretty serious warning there. Um, It's important that he does. Um, And here's why. It's important to understand what he's saying. What is he saying? Sometimes it's easier to to go to, what is he not saying? Okay? Um, Listen, don't pick this verse up and just run with it out of context. That's very dangerous. You have to leave the verse where it is, read it alongside of the rest of the letter, and interpret it with what Paul's already told you, okay? Interpret it with the rest of the letter. And what has he made clear in chapter 2? Chapter 2, verse 6, by grace you have been saved by faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one will boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he's made it clear your entry into this new community is by grace, right? It's, 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 this, it's, it's, it's because God is rich in mercy, he says. It's because of his great love with which he loved us while we were in our sins, So it makes no sense for us to have this richness of God's mercy and his grace before we were in the kingdom. And once we're in, that kind of, that richness dries up. It's not for you anymore. 
No, that doesn't make any sense. Lamentation says his mercies are new every morning, right? They are new every morning. They never come to an end. So Paul's not teaching that even a single immoral thought or word or deed is enough to disqualify you from heaven, okay? Otherwise, we'd all be done, right? We're not, no one's getting in. He's not talking about the one who, who stumbles into sin because of weakness and then repents and then is forgiven, right? He's, he's speaking of those who have given themselves up to this way of life without shame, without repentance. Okay, he's not talking about perfection in this kingdom. He's just saying, hey, make sure this is real in your life. Okay, make sure this is real. It's not a game. Um, if you are sons and daughters of God and Jesus, okay, if the Holy Spirit is living and transforming you from the inside, it will result in change. It will result in a repentant life, a life of, of turning away from sin and, and striving after holiness. Again, he's saying, you are beloved children. If that is true, imitate God. Walk in love like Jesus. You shouldn't live the same anymore. It's this changed life. It's a gospel-shaped one. And so in verse 7, Paul says, therefore, do not become partners with them, so again, don't misunderstand what he's saying. Paul's not saying, hey, you should cut yourself off from the, old, uh, the people in your old life. Okay? You should cut yourselves off from non-Christians. He's not saying that. He's not saying turn your backs on them. Okay, Don't partner with them at all. He's, he's saying don't partner with them. He's saying don't, don't partner with them in that disobedience. Okay? You, you used to share in that old life. You get a clear picture, aren't you, of, of, uh, of what Paul these kind of two ways of, of life, these two ways of walking, right? He's, he has this, this, this old self, the, this old way of walking that you once walked in, following the course of this world. Um, you're sons of disobedience. And then this, this new self, this, this new way of living that's walking with humility and gentleness and patience, this transformed work, this transformed speech, transformed sexual ethic, this way of imitating God and, and walking in love like Jesus. He says, you are, you are beloved children of God. So he's like, children of Satan, essentially, children of God. And he says, Paul, you used to walk in that way, but through Jesus, you've been brought into this family, into this kingdom. But they're still living in the old environment, right? They're still living amongst those who don't know Jesus, here, Paul's saying, don't banish those people from your life. We still want to love them, but we still want them to know Jesus. He's just saying, don't partner in that old way of life anymore. You should be distinct now. You, that, that the gospel transformation should be, should be visible in your lives. Don't partner in that old way anymore. And have you noticed here in chapter, four, chapter 5, Paul he is kind of introducing this new aspect of uh, public perception of the church in a way. I don't know if that's the, the best way to put that. But in chapter 4, he's describing what this new community looks like, what, what it should be like. Here, here's how you are to live in this kingdom. But then in chapter 5, he starts to have this concern with, with how those from the outside of this society look in and see it and observe, Right? So he, he begins to emphasize that this, this community should be distinct in the world. It, it should be observably different. 
He says things like this, the, the old way, these impurities must not be named among you. Okay, must not be known among you. There's this, there's this proper way of living inside God's kingdom that is maybe proper outside of his kingdom. Or uh, not proper, but kind of the way it's lived outside. He says, don't partner with sons of disobedience and, and walk in that way. So the church should be different, should be distinct in the world. Why? Well, in chapter 5, Paul's saying this, this new way of living of imitating God, of walking in love just like Jesus, it does something. It, it actually shows the world something. This community that's shaped by the gospel and walking and living out the gospel, it's, it's meant to show the world who God is, right? And he actually he continues this. We don't have time to get into the rest of chapter 5, but Paul begins to talk about marriage, and he makes that point. He says, your marriages." should be a picture of Christ in the church, right? That's, the, that's what the, a proper, healthy, loving marriage between a, a man and a woman actually show the world Christ's relationship with his bride. It's this, this gospel proclamation when they see this happening. Paul's saying this new way of living is God's transformed community of love. It, it does something. It shows the world something. And so he's don't, don't partner with them in their disobedience. Be distinct. Be different now. And here's why. In verse 8, he says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So again, he points out that because of the gospel, because of Jesus, your core identity has changed. Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And isn't that the most humbling and at the very same time, the most like, encouraging, power-giving statement a Christian can hear, and that, that's exactly what the gospel does. It, like, at the same moment as it humbles us, it, humbles us, it also like, gloriously lifts us up. He says, you were darkness. That's humbling. And he's not saying, hey, you used to be in the darkness, although that's true. Paul's saying it was much worse than that. You were darkness. It was all pervading, so much that you yourselves were darkness. It's humbling. But at the glorious flip side of that, he says, but now you are light in the Lord. He doesn't say you are now in the light, although that's true as well. He says something more striking. You are light in the Lord. Notice that's not an aspirational statement. He's not saying you're becoming light. You're becoming more and more light. You're getting a little brighter each day, although there's truth to that as well. But here he's not talking about that, that kind of slow maturation, becoming more like Jesus process. Right here he's talking about your identity. He says, in Christ you are light. Because of Christ's work in the gospel, you are now light in him. You are beloved children. That's who you are. So their lives, and not just their environment, has been changed from darkness to light. And this radical transformation has happened in the Lord. It's taken place in the Lord. It's by nature, of, by virtue of their, their union with the one who claimed to be, to be the light of the, of the world. That's John 8, right? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, in Jesus... 
You are not darkness anymore. You are light. You have the light of life. That's who you are, so walk as children of light. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit, this fruit of light, this, this, this fruit that, that, that is born in your life, that is good and right and true. It's trying to discern what is pleasing in the Lord. It's this different life because you are children of light, walking as children of light. And the, the talk of darkness and light, it should, it should kind of make our minds go back to Isaiah 9, at least mine did, um, where you have that famous prophecy of this Messiah who would come and shine like a light in the darkness. He would be this light in the darkness. And um, you remember that the, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. So it's this promise of a Savior who would be this light shining in the darkness. This, this, he would bring salvation for those dwelling in the, in the land of darkness. And in John 8, Jesus is like, that's me. That's what, I'm the one who that was referring to. I am the light of the world. Follow me and share in my light. And here in Ephesians, Paul is saying, that's what you do as followers of Jesus. Your life together should do just this. You should live and walk differently now. You should be distinct in the world. You should shine in the darkness. You are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He's saying living lives that shine in the darkness, it's missional, right? He says it does something. So he says walk as children of light, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Again, don't partner in that anymore. That you, you, that you walk differently now. Walk as children of light. He says don't take part in the, the works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what light does. It exposes what's in the dark. And I don't know about you, but when I first read, read that, I, almost, I automatically think of it as a negative thing. I don't know about you. Um, like it's judgmental. Like it's condemning. I just think of a person like on the street corner shouting at people as they walk by, that exposing the darkness in that way. Um, but I don't think that's what Paul is necessarily arguing for here. Because up until now... He's mainly been talking about the manner in which you live your life. This, this new way of, of, of conducting your lives. Walk as children of light. Walk in love. Walk with humility and gentleness. It's this new manner of living. Okay, this new way of living. That includes what you say. It includes your tongue. He's made that clear. But it's this new way of living and walking. This transformed, gospel-shaped community of love. Paul says when you live like this, this community shines in the darkness. You expose what's in the dark. And so that word, it's, that word expose is complex. It, it means to rebuke. It means to, to show fault. It means to convince. So, so this walking in this new manner that is different from the rest of the world, this, this Christ-like walk, it shines in the darkness. It, it exposes evil. It, it shows fault by comparison. And it convinces people of the truth. In verse 13, he says, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. It's like physics 101, right? Turn the light on, you can see. <laughs> That's a, a positive thing. Have you ever like 
been in a dark tent or like fumbling around in a, in a dark room and all you need is a little bit of light. And if you've been in like a hotel room or like staying over at someone's house and it's an unfamiliar room and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like searching for the bathroom door but it's completely dark and you're like, I can't see anything and you find maybe a lamp, click it on, only to reveal that you're like on the opposite side of the room, like behind a weird chair, like it's, you're completely in the wrong way. Paul's like, that's what's happening here. Children of light, walking as children of light, shining in the darkness, exposing the darkness. Okay, things become visible in the light. And Paul says in verse 14, for anything that becomes visible is light. So right there, this is the goal of walking as children of light. John Stott says the light that exposes has powerful evangelistic power. The light of one soul making another light. Okay, so living lives that shine in the darkness, it's missional. The people brought out of darkness. Paul says, therefore, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So when the light of Christ shines in the darkness through his people living these transformed lives, sleepers will awaken. The dead will rise. When the light of, sh- of Christ shines in the darkness, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And if you're a Christian here today, like this is what happened to you. You, you were darkness. You were lost in the dark, but the light of Christ shone on you, revealing the ugliness of your sin conviction of your deep need of a savior leading to repentance of your sins and now living a life of faith in Jesus. And Paul is saying that way of, of Christ, of living in that way, that's his main way of, of shining in the darkness. Okay, it's through his people. It's through his church. That's the primary way of reaching those dwelling in the darkness. So living lives that shine in the darkness is missional. And Paul's, Paul's intelligent. He's a very uh, sharp man. And he can write, can't he? He's, he's smart. Uh, but he's not being original here. He's plagiarizing. <laughs> I love these moments when you read Paul or you read Peter like Alan read today, and they're, they're just ripping off Jesus. They're just, they're just regurgitating Jesus and, and his teachings. So, so this idea of living lives that shine in the darkness being missional, that's not Paul's original idea. He's just getting that from Jesus. It's what Jesus opens up with in his most famous sermon, right? In Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins with the Beatitudes. Okay, he's describing the way of, of, of life in this kingdom, those in his kingdom are, are poor in spirit. They mourn. They're meek. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're merciful. They're pure in heart. They're peacemakers. So um, do you see the similarities to what Paul has been teaching? So in, 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 in Ephesians 4, Paul's been describing what this new life in this kingdom looks like as well. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, immediately Jesus, after he does that, he tells us what should happen here. The, the goal of this way of living should be this result. In Matthew 5, verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works. They may see this this new, distinct way of living in this world, and do what? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see how Paul, he's just reteaching Jesus. Jesus tells his followers, you are the light of the world shining before others, letting them see your your good works, this new gospel-shaped lives, for this very purpose that they may join you in giving glory to the Father. Living lives that shine in the darkness, it's missional. That's the purpose of walking in this new way of, uh, of, as a transformed community of love. It gives glory to God, but it, it invites others to do the same. And it's not the only time Jesus tells us this. This is like classic Jesus. And if you have time this week, uh, read John 17. Um, do me that favor. Read John 17. It's this high priestly prayer. Jesus prays this prayer to the Father before he goes to heaven, uh, and he's He's praying for this church. He's praying for you and me and his people. He's praying that we would be faithful in the world, right? And he's praying that we would be able to live these holy lives, that we would be able to live, as, as, as Paul's kind of unpacking here, these lives that shine in the darkness, that are different, that are distinct. And he prays that we would have unity. May they be one, he says, Father, even as you and I are one. He prays that we would be this community of love, But he says, here's the purpose of that unity and love. In verse 20 and verse 23 of John 17, he prays that we would be one, this community of love, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, he says to his father. He prays that we would be perfectly one so that the world would know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This is mission through community this transformed community of love, living, living in a way that shines in the darkness so that others can know the love of Jesus. Do you see this, this river of gospel community and mission flowing through the text? This is what Jesus says in John 13, right? To his disciples, this new commandment I give you, that just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. This gospel-shaped love, Right? And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's this gospel leading to this community of love which leads to mission. Walking in love, walking as children of light, it's missional. And we desire to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, okay, we're transformed by him, that turns us into this community of love that, that live differently, that, that shine in the darkness. And this is a, a, a huge part of what it means to love our city as we join God in the renewal of all things. Um, Gareth, I'm going to invite Gareth McFarland up. Um, a lot of you know Gareth. Um, again, kind of like week one, just to want this to be kind of text in an ancient book. Um, this is real things that are happening uh, in real life, in real people's lives. So, um, hey, mate. Hi. Um, uh, how long have you been part of Village? Uh, moved to Belfast about uh, five years ago. Um, five and a half years. 
Two and a half years. Um, great. Um, just thinking of the last two weeks, um, kind of put together in, in one example of uh, what it means to be a community of love that, uh, that loves each other deeply because of their love for Jesus, um, that, that lives differently and distinct in this world, um, and which leads us to mission that we'll get to. But just kind of want to hear your, your story or your why um, um, your experience of that in your life and, and why that's been important to you and, and kind of transformative in your life. Uh, yeah. Um, so, as I say, five and a half years in Village. Uh, joined an MC one week after being here. Uh, remember coming to the first village and uh, service arrived at 10.20. As we all know, far, far too early. I was about the only person sitting and Thomas McConaughey came over and spoke to me. The, that week, went to Thomas and Laura's MC. At that stage, there was 25 people in the WhatsApp group, I'm going to say. Um, so on average, we had about eight, 18 people every week. Um, so very different to what I'm kind of used to now. Um, and I suppose COVID has obviously a lot to answer for that. Um, but yeah, got stuck in. It's kind of my attitude anyway. Um, was answering the door of Thomas and Laura's house week two <laughs> to be welcome, welcoming Kate and Richard in. Um, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously with it being like such a big group and there was people that you got on really well with and there was people that you didn't, not you didn't get on with, but you didn't click with just as well. And I suppose that was kind of something that I just wanted to kind of say that that's okay. And, and um, like kind of whatever group you go into or um, you're in, like there will always be people that you get on really, really well with. And there will be people that you don't as well get on just as well with. Um, but yeah, um, and I suppose, yeah, it's kind of just that idea of we're all a family, um, and that kind of even more so now, been in a couple of different groups throughout my five years, um, and in the group that I'm in at the minute, um, for the past two years, we've had about eight or 10 um, for two years, which has just been absolutely lovely. Um, they're, like during COVID, obviously it was pretty horrendous with MC Zoom and all the rest of it. Everyone hated it. Um, but yet, like there was that, there is that small family aspect um, when you have that kind of smaller numbers, which has been delightful, as I say. Um, sorry, I'm just having a look notes here. Um, so yeah. MCs have kind of all looked different through the years um, of being. Um, but yeah, they have been, uh, I had Fiona. Fiona's a very good person to ask you questions. Uh, so uh, Fiona and I had breakfast together yesterday morning to go through this and kind of and ask me questions about uh, what I was going to speak about. Um, and when I first came to Belfast, my plan was, uh, and my first sentence to Ellie Henry was, I'm going to be here for a year and I'll be gone after that. Five years later, um, I'm still here. Um, and Fiona asked 
uh, why didn't you move back home? Um, I suppose, uh, I mean, I enjoy my work uh, at, as well, when I, uh, four and a half years ago. Um, but yeah, fa uh, the church was a, a massive part of that. Um, and I suppose, and I always say this, that if I move back home, my, my parents and my brother and sister and all go to a church 25 minutes away. I live five minutes from here. And I feel like that is such an important thing um, for to be able to build that community, that MC that we're kind of going after here, um, be able to text someone and be like, I'm calling for a cup of tea. Um, so yeah. Uh, I'm almost then. Transformed life. Um, yeah, so that was probably one of the, like a good reason why I stayed after my year um, was I love the people, love the church, um, and part of that transformed life that we're talking about uh, and bringing things into the light and like working through like my life is very different now kind of compared to what it was uh five years ago part of that is maturity i would dare say but um <laughs> richard's laughing <laughs> thinking it's not uh but yeah like there's there's a lot of things that i've learned from church in general and from mcs um whether that be like the this, this big important things of, um, I'm sorry, now I'm lost. Uh, sorry, yeah, so it's like helped me grow in my own intimate spiritual life. Um, so that being like the smaller, the core, like core aspect, the, sorry, core in, within MCs um, has helped like grow my spiritual life big time. And I suppose when I haven't gone to MC for a while or haven't been at core, you notice that in your spiritual life. You notice that you don't want to read the Bible. You notice you don't want to pray. Or not that you don't, you just kind of fall away from it. Um, whereas you can, with doing this weekly or and being within people's lives weekly, being surrounded by these people, you have a desire for God. You have a desire to pray and to read. And um, yeah, uh, to even like more practical things like wanting to cook for the guys who just uh, got a new baby or someone's in hospital and wanting to cook for them um, or like just being more like giving with your time and your resources. Um, so yeah, I've definitely learned all of that. Um, I mean, yeah. I have the privilege of uh, knowing you when you first came and and after and and now and mm. I, I think that um, your life is proof of uh, needing to be with God's people and Him transforming you and you getting to know mm. who He is um, in in that setting. So, um, what? Tell me your your just kind of heart experience of that mission through community. So. Um, you know, a transformed community of love being this beacon of light mm. that shines in the darkness, that, that lives distinctly and um, as a way for the world to see uh, this difference and to see uh, the gospel truth kind of in tangible, real ways. Um, your desire just to uh, be part of that 
and to invite people into that in, in different ways. Um, what's that been like for you? Um, yeah, there's a couple of people obviously in my life who I pray for and would love to see them come to Christ. Um, that has been uh, helped with by the, my MC um, and other people within the church as well. Um, one in particular is my housemate um, who uh, sorry, I'm trying to think what I'm saying. Yep, so basically with living with her that's, it, you kind of have that relationship there already. Um, that relationship has been built over kind of two or three years. Um, and with living with the person as well they see your entire life. Uh, they see the good, the bad, the ugly. The, the good of that, they see my church family. Uh, the community that I have. Um, and that working, uh, that being, her saying the love that people have for me uh, was what I think brought her to ask questions. Um, but yeah, in particular, I suppose uh, Kate and Richard have um, been there for me, for her, have invited her for dinner. Um, yeah, have just been that light to her. Um, as well as seeing the entire community either come around for dinner on a Thursday night for MC or whatever that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks. Rubs. Yeah. Um, you can have a seat. Um, it's the, that idea of um, a missional mission through community is um, Gareth has someone who, who he deeply loves and cares about. Um, how much brighter and more powerful is that? Is, is her, what she sees in you, seen in the community, um, living that out in, in ways where, especially in the community, that it's not just like all your best mates. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's, there's a difference in the church where you look around and you have, it doesn't make sense for that person and that person to be with each other and to love each other and that just you don't see that out in the world um it's but it's only because it's the gospel that it kind of brings the the strong and the weak together to to build one another up so um it's a real powerful thing and um i love seeing you guys work that out and live that out in real messy but tangible ways so uh keep going and and well done
Um, as we said last week, um, this living lives that are shining in the darkness, um, it's, it takes more than, 30, than 90 minutes on a Sunday, right? It's, 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 a, it's an all of life kind of thing. Sundays are so important and so key to that. Um, but it's, it happens um, when you invite someone over for a meal together. Um, and those ordinary conversations, just ordinary people just doing, living their ordinary lives, but with this gospel uh, intentionality, this new gospel purpose uh, to be walking as children of light, shining in the darkness so that others will uh, join in the, and, and glorify the Lord. Um, it's a real powerful thing. So uh, as Alan mentioned at the start, we've, uh, we've inviting you to, to sign up uh, for missional communities. If you've never been in one, uh, but even for you that, that are in one, you've been in one for years, we're asking everyone to, to kind of renew uh, uh, their life in, in missional community. You can do that. Um, uh, we've sent emails out. We'll send another one out uh, this week um, and on the links on social media and things like that. So um, when's the cutoff? Someone tell me when the cutoff date for that is. 21st, which is like Wednesday or something. Um, it's coming up, so um, we're trying to kind of get a move on that. So if you haven't done that, just encourage you to do that um, as we uh, join God in uh, what he's doing here in Belfast. Um, let's stand. We're going to uh, um, worship together, and we're going to receive uh, communion together. And Father, we just thank you for, um, just as we prayed at the start, we thank you for, for loving us, um, for loving us uh, while we were uh, dead in our sins, um, completely unable to uh, please you and to, and to work for you. Uh, you. You placed your love on us, this, this rich mercy. And we thank you for your grace, Lord. Um, doesn't make sense. Um, but it's beautiful. We thank you for uh, Jesus, and Jesus for what you've done for us. Um, it's all possible because of the life that you've lived and the death that you died on our behalf. Um, and thank you for the last three weeks, Lord, and uh, I just pray they be a, an opportunity to, uh, to center us again and to, to remind us uh, who we are in you. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us a heart for uh, walking as your beloved children, walking in the light. And we thank you for your grace as we do stumble, as we do fall and we're weak. Um, but we thank you for your people. Um, how important is it to be in community with your people, um, to, 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 to point us to Jesus again, to remind us what we've learned in you, Lord. Um, your grace uh, is sufficient for us. We just thank you for, um, for your grace. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.